I just want to go out and like spread the word like, hello, ladies, there's help for you. I signed up because I was desperate. You know, I've gone the physical therapist route here, a pelvic floor specialist, but I'd been there with her for a year and there was no change in the sneeze and pee. I went to a doctor who had a device called an Mcella. It was a lot of money, way more money than your program. And there was no change, no improvement. So I'm like, there's got to be a way. Why can't anyone figure out a way to strengthen these muscles? So I kept on looking at your website and I'm like, well, if I spent so much money on that stinking device that did nothing, what have I really got to lose with your program? It's been awesome. I, I'm, I'm so happy and relieved. I don't have to run home and change my underwear because <laughs> I've been sneezing and peeing. Yeah, it's great. I love it. So I'm 53 years old, I have a full-time job, and I have a small business. I can do it. You can do it. Hey, you just heard Sharon tell you about the amazing results she's had using the Titan Your Tinkler program. Okay, kind of a silly name, but friends, they get you serious results. So if you're peeing while sneezing or laughing, going to the bathroom a zillion times a day and at night, check out their program. And right now, if you check it out this year, it's the lowest price it will ever be. Prices are going up in January and use the code Heather and you'll save an extra 50 bucks. So go to tightenyourtinkler.com and check it out. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you make peace with your body so you can savor God's rest and feel his love. If you're tired of fighting body image the world's way, Compare to Who is the show for you. You've likely heard lots of talk about loving your body, but my goal is different. Striving to fall in love with stretch marks and cellulite is a little silly to me. Instead, I want to encourage you and remind you with the truth of scripture that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved no matter what your size or shape. Here the pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey friends, Heather Creekmore here. I'm glad you're listening to the Compare to Who show today. Today I am interviewing my client and now friend, Tara. She's a mom of two in Massachusetts, and she's actually going to be helping run our Facebook community. So compared to who has a Facebook page, but we have this new group called Body Image for Christian Women. And if you're not a part of that, will you join it? Tara's going to be helping me manage it. I'll be honest. I have just stunk at managing Facebook and Instagram stuff recently with trying to write books and children and all those things. Um, but Tara has a heart, as you will hear through this episode and the follow up episode, the part two of this episode that comes up on Friday. Tara gets it. She has walked the hard path. She had an eating disorder and didn't even know it. Um, she's she's battled. And she understands the struggle, but she also understands what it's like to taste freedom. We worked together for six months and, um, and she's on a new path now. And so I asked her to come on the show and just tell you her story. And I'm calling this episode, I've tried everything because so many women have the, I've tried everything story. And so this is Tara's, 
I've tried everything story part one. Like I said, part two is coming out on Friday. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Tara, thanks for being on the Compared to Who show today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Such a blessing to be with you. So Tara is here to share her journey. And I don't, so let's go back to the beginning. Uh, it, we're in November now. Um, your journey started, what would you say, last January? Yeah, yeah. I actually think I went back and looked at the date even just to like, I, I could find like the exact date. It was like January 10th or something like that. Okay. Um, what did that look that like? I just, Oh, goodness. So it's interesting, because I feel like that was the beginning of my journey. But now, uh, now that we're in November, and I'm kind of going through it, I look back, and I'm like, Oh, man, God had brought me had been preparing me for this way before that day. But for me, that date was like, I had gone in to do my morning um, version Bible app, which was something that I had been doing daily with God for a while now as I get up early before the kids when the house is quiet. And I'd go to my um, version Holy Bible app and I would do like a guided prayer. I would do um, plans and read the devotionals and then do the scriptures and that kind of thing to try to get my day started. Um, Cause I was really, you know, had been struggling in many areas. Um, and on that particular day, I remember going in and just looking per usual at another um, Bible plan I was looking for to, Help me with my food. How can I eat biblically to lose weight, to fast? What should I be eating? How can I make this work, God? How do I honor you? Um, and I was at that place where I was like, I had done every Bible plan that they had on you version that came up with food. I had tried every fast. I mean, I'm kind of backtracking here, but basically in that moment, you're compared to who? Bible plan came up and there was the pair on with the little measuring tape. Mm -hmm. And of course I'm like, well, there it is. I'm going <laughs> to get, get my little waist skinny again. And, um, and it was so interesting. And I clicked on it and I started reading the devotional and I will never forget. Like, I don't even remember what the words were at the time. I just remember being gripped. Like, like, like the Holy spirit just gripped me in that moment. And there was this pause, like, this is totally different. Mm -hmm. This is nothing that I expected. And it was like, Oh Lord, she's, she's, she's speaking my heart, my mind, my thoughts, mm -hmm. everything. And I think I read like the entire devotional on that one sitting <laughs> and I went back and I kept doing it day after day. And I feel like it was just, there was something so desperate in me at that point. And your words gripped me so much. Um, and from that, it was just like, I ran out and got your book and I read that. And then I ran out and got burned better. And I read that. Um, and then I found the podcast and thus started my journey. Yeah. 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 So let's go back even before that then. Yeah. What's your relationship yeah. like with your food and your body? Like, what did that look like? And, you know, go back as far as you want to yeah. in terms oh, of gosh. your story. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was thinking about that. I was like, man, I, it's funny. Cause when I thought about January, right, I thought like, oh yeah, you know, my story with this has only been, you know, a couple of years in my mind. Um, but when I, you know, being in this, in this process and this journey with you since then, I've realized how far back it really goes. And so J January was really like that epitome of like hitting a wall and mm -hmm. just being like, I, I need help. 
um, and not even realizing it. So before that, really going back, I mean, gosh, we could go back way, way far back, but I think it really began like, I'm so blessed. I was raised in like a wonderful home. I mean, typical, kind of typical um, two parents. I was very lucky. I grew up with the foundation in Jesus. That was so, I think was such a gift that got me through so much. I live up in, um, grew up all of my whole life in Massachusetts in the suburbs. We went to church and we talked about Jesus. Um, but we also followed, you know, a lot of the ways of the world were part of our, our, our lifestyle, you know, what to eat, um, was shaped by, you know, my mom and, you know, what she thought was healthy or good food at the time. Um, unbeknownst to her, you know, I was, you know, utterly on, you know, you eat your good foods first and then you eat your other foods afterwards, you know, treats are, you know, to be had only every now and then. And, my parents wanted me very much to know um, that I was loved and they never, they always showed me that. Um, but I grew up as, even as a young child, showing signs of, of anxiety and depression, lots of fears, lots of insecurities. Um, and as a result, I think that my, um, my mom in particular really felt that it was important for me to, you know, have self-esteem, to feel good about myself. She really wanted me to see how valuable I was. And though in her heart, I know she knows that, um, she, her, her goal was to believe for me to believe that Jesus was, you know, my, my teaching me that he was my savior and that, um, he loved me. She praised me so much on the external things. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of praise on from early on, just on, um, how I looked, how I, um, performed in my sports or how I did in school. And though it was always in a very um, positive way, I learned to feel that I wanted to continue gaining that praise and gaining that um, feeling that kind of started a lifelong journey of, I think, really seeking approval, really seeking a desire to be, to be loved. And what I ended up doing was getting into a sport. I feel like that really was detrimental for me and my journey with insecurity and I did gymnastics starting at a really young age and got into competitive gymnastics really early on. And as a result of that, I had a huge focus on my body. So when I was younger, it was fun. We had, I loved it. I, I had a skill for it. I had a talent. We flipped around. It was fun. Um, but growing up, I was always really aware of what I ate, of how I looked, having to wear this small little leotard. And then once my body started to change as I hit puberty, as girls change and the small, tiny little shape I was in started to get larger and the hips got bigger and the belly of the bottom and all those areas start to fill out. I just was like, oh no, 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 this can't happen. It was like, okay. And I immediately started restricting and going into ways that I could, could control that from my body from not changing basically and trying to keep it within what I thought it needed to be. And then just this concept of a judge staring at me judging me like mm -hmm. everything was about are my toes pointed perfectly are my legs straight or is this move you know every single tiny detail of me was constantly being judged and I think that I just took that viewpoint on a larger scale in my whole life mm -hmm. um and really felt that I needed to win the approval of my parents of my teachers of my peers and then with a kind of predisposition for anxiety and depression I spent most of my younger days, like my young teenage days, just feeling 
so um, unworthy and unloved, so terrified. Um, there's so much fear, so much insecurity. And my mother and her, you know, desire and, and hopes of just building that confidence in me, you know, would often make comments just like, you know, they're jealous. Or, you know, you're such a, you know, you have such a kind of heart and you do so well in school and you're so this, you know, they just, you know, um, it, you know, you always have, she used to say like, you know, you, you know, oh, someone's always, some guy's always interested in you, you know. Um, and then that started getting me into thinking as I got older too about attention from, from men. So then mm -hmm. it was like, well, if a guy's interested in me and that means that I'm valuable or worth something and mm -hmm. it's worth being jealous for, then... Now it came to be about keeping my body in this this way for a sport. Then it became keeping my body looking attractive to get the attention of men. And I also sort of started to give up almost on cultivating friendships because I just felt like I never fit in with the girls. I always felt really less than. I was the subject of some bullying in high school, which was really, really hard for me too as well. So there were a lot lot of days where I would sit or in the art room for lunch because I didn't have someone to sit with mm -hmm. and I would just do artwork and paint um, and I'd pretend like I put this front on to pretend like it didn't bother me that mm -hmm. I chose to do that that I wanted to be alone mm -hmm. that I was a loner that I was different and I went through many different phases of trying to create the identity that I wanted everyone else to see so it was so much of me trying to put on what I thought I needed to show the world to protect myself. So I think that with this sort of between the eating and the, um, you know, the depression, the anxiety in my younger years, it really took me down a dark road more with um, getting into alcohol and drugs. And so the food never seemed like a big deal to me. That was just normal. Like you just, you have to restrict to stay thin. You have mm -hmm. to not eat you know, you have to make sure you don't eat too much sugar. You have to restrict calories. You have to eat healthy. Yeah. You know, we didn't have chips and we didn't have junk food in the house. And I remember like, I remember those treat cereals would be like a special evening. I could have like, uh -huh. a treat cereal for dessert. Cause like, you can't have like cinnamon toast crunch for breakfast. Like that would be awful. And like, that's so bad for your body and all that stuff. So that became, um, I think the morality of food started in, in mm -hmm. that, that time too. And then my journey with with drugs and alcohol got really, really, really scary. As I got a little bit older and went off to college and sort of, it became easy and available. Um, you know, I started at a young age experimenting with it and I always kept my grades up. I always, you know, did was such a perfectionist and everything I did and said, if I just have everything look good on the outside, if I kept the straight A's, if I kept the sports up, if I kept all these things up, um, you know, community service and did all these things that if I just did all the right behaviors that I would be lovable and that somebody would love me or if I had a boyfriend or, and eventually all those things will come, you know, will come crashing down and you know, the boyfriend will leave mm -hmm. and the, you know, the, the test will go bad or um, I will eat, you know, the wrong food and, um, and so my story really took a, a dark turn in my college years and, um, my idea of what I thought my life was going to look like really drastically changed 
from that of like, okay, I'm going to be success. I'm going to, you know, do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to get the job and I'm going to make the money and I'm going to find a great husband and I'm going to have, you know, the two kids or, you know, what do they say? Like the 1.5 kids, mm-hmm. 2.5 kids and the white picket <laughs> fence and all those things. And it was just, I was so caught up in what I believed I needed to do. And all along my journey, the one it's so hard because it's like, it's, it's just so, there's so much that happens in our lives. The one kind of repeating thing was always Jesus. He was always Mm. there. I was just never good enough for him. Mm. I was never, there was so much shame and guilt. There was Mm. so much fear and there was so much, um, like I just was, I just never felt worthy and I did not understand the real true love of Jesus. Like I, yeah. I knew that he loved me. I understood the cross or so I thought, you know, mm-hmm. he, he died for my sins. And, but it was always like, um, I would go back to him with sort of like a begging and a pleading and an apologizing. And I'm so sorry, I failed you again. And oh Lord, please help me. And what am I doing wrong? And, um, and there were periods of time. Um, I think, you know, there's so many periods of time where I hit such dark places in my life where I know without a shadow of a doubt that it was the, that it was God in those moments. Um, and so after college, I, um, my, my life took a radical drastic turn and I knew, um, you know, my family intervened and we knew that I needed help. And I went in to start my recovery. And by the time I was 24, I had, um, gone into two, in and out of two different rehabs and I got myself sober um, I shouldn't say gotten myself sober because I, I, that was by the grace of God, but I had gone through programs and, um, I had fallen on my knees and surrender, um, on so many occasions. And I think it was really, you know, in that point that my relationship with, with my savior really deepened where I really started to understand, um, how much he loved me. And I started to look back on all the times that he was there for me in some of those deepest, darkest moments of um, of such pain and such um, sadness. And when I started to just sort of get back on my feet and I felt like I almost had to start my life over. It was like mm-hmm. a whole new beginning. And I felt like a little girl again, just sort mm-hmm. of learning, learning how to... Um, to live life. Like I had no coping. I had no, I had no way to cope, um, with any of the hardships in life. I I really didn't understand, um, that it was okay to not be okay, that it was okay Mm. to not feel okay all the time, that it was okay to not be happy all the time. I didn't know. Um, you know, I really thought that like life was supposed to be this happy, comfortable thing all the time. And if it wasn't, I was doing something wrong and I had to find a way to fix it. Um, and so um, I think, you know, my life, God brought in a wonderful, wonderful man into my life um, who um, and gave me the gift of two amazing, wonderful children. Um, and then I just dove into marriage and motherhood and um, and that was incredible. Um, but around the time that my son um, was about to be born, we went through about the first five years of his life, like just the most extreme medical um, conditions with him. He was premature. Um, two months early, you, you know, lived in the hospital the first month of his life. Uh, was in our hospitals the first year of his life. Um, diagnosed with all sorts of different issues with his kidneys. Had surgery at a year old. 
Um, and he, you know, we got through it. God was so good during that time. Again, deepening my faith, deepening my walk with him. Um, and then we sort of were like, okay, yeah. All right. We're going to move on now. Next stage. And about 18 months, my son was diagnosed with retinoblastoma, which is an extremely rare cancer of the eye. And at that time, um, that I feel like was really like, there have been these points in my life where God really had showed up in some really dark places. And that was really one of them. But for the first time, this was something that I didn't blame myself for. Like I didn't mm. cause this. And I actually struggled with that for a while. Like we went into genetic testing because I thought my first thought was I did this. Mm. I didn't, I, I couldn't even do this right. Lord. I couldn't even bring a life into the world for you. Like mm. I must've eaten something wrong. I must've taken, mm. like I didn't exercise. Like it was, it's insane. The guilt and the, um, you know, and, and again, I'm going to use this word and this is only from, from, the grace that you've given me, Heather, is pride. Mm. Like, I really, even though most of my life was at a point of um, feeling worthless and unlovable or not good enough, it was still always about me. It was like, mm. I was at the center of everything that was right or wrong or good or bad or awful. And, um, and even when my son had the cancer, it was like, oh my gosh, what did I do wrong? Yeah. And I realized, wow, like God worked with me so much to, for me to understand, like it wasn't genetics. It wasn't anything. It was just, mm. it just happened. Yeah. And, um, we had, a, we had a many years of a, of a struggle with that. And, um, but God was good every part of the way he brought his grace and his like I call them like God moments or God winks where he would just make himself so obvious. Like mm -hmm. the doctors would just be in awe that like this procedure would work or this mm -hmm. would come. And, um, and that's, I mean, I could talk to you for hours about that a little, but I bring that up because I feel like these were all parts that God had to like start working and softening my heart and pointing mm -hmm. me back towards him and start sort of, I had to start dying a little bit to self through all these. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even realize that's what was happening. Yeah. But there was something about my life that was turning less about me and more about him. Yeah. And I remember people saying to me, like, how could you get through that? And I said, after we got through it and he's doing wonderful now, he's 11, he's great. He's been cancer free now since he was five. Like, it's such a blessing. But I look back and I say, I wouldn't change a thing mm -hmm. about what happened in my life with my alcoholism and drug addiction with my son and what we went through with him because it was in those extreme moments that I actually was able to fall on my knees mm -hmm. and say I can't do this like I, I am so I remember one night with my son when we weren't sure if he was going to make it and I went outside under the stars in the middle of the night and I think it was freezing out and I had like a little nightgown on and I was just shaking and I just remember falling on my knees and saying God, I cannot do this. Like, I don't know. Yeah. My whole life has been about me trying to figure out what's right and what's best and how to do this. And, you know, what do I have to do to make life work? Yeah. And, um, and I remember the peace that came over me in that moment, just like, I didn't know what was going to happen, mm -hmm. but I just knew that he was there. Like, yeah. He was there. And that was like, that was the shift. And so I think that really prepared me for 
down the road, you know, in January when, um, after having my daughter, um, she's almost eight now. So it was really like eight years for having my daughter. I gained a ton of weight bigger than I'd ever been. And I kind of always been able to manage it before that. Um, even with Eddie being born early, I think it spared me the two months of that last Mm -hmm. two months of weight Mm -hmm. gain. So I never really got to that. Um, but I had no idea that my whole life I had been dieting. My whole life I had been restricting or doing some form of a diet. I mean, I did everything that was out there. I've tried everything. But it was really in those last eight years, I would say that it became very drastic because all the diets I had done didn't work. Yeah, They inevitably didn't work. And I couldn't go back to that because, well, that one didn't work. So it's like, check, check. And I was running out of things to do. I was just running out of everything. And so it really just got to the point I had tried everything I knew to do to the point where I was just simply not eating food anymore and still thinking I needed to lose weight and wondering why I couldn't lose weight. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's pause there for a second, Tara. Now, when you say you were trying not to eat food, I mean, I know your story. We've worked together for a while now. Would you have called yourself an anorexic last January? Oh God, no, not in a million years. Never. And never. and, And now, as you look back with what you know about eating disorders and disordered eating and your story now, would you give yourself an eating disorder label now? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it feels good. It's just such a strange thing to say yeah. that it actually feels good to be able to, to say it mm-hmm. without shame or guilt, mm-hmm. to accept it, to not yeah. blame myself for it. Um, and to also understand yeah. what all those years what was happening um because you thought it was normal right oh my gosh I thought it was so normal you didn't think you were doing anything different than any other woman you knew right I I mean when if, even when it first started I actually thought that it was like I was like I mean it, I was so like proud of myself and like my discipline I was so like yes God must be yeah. smiling down on me like look at look at all that weight I've lost um look at the discipline of my exercise and my eating um I had people praising me all the time for it which is of course you know I had you know the whole world everything I saw everything I read every person I spoke to just further supported right. that belief that this was a good thing. This was a healthy thing. And, um, and as I went further down that journey, it, it, I really look back and I think there was never a time in those eight years that I didn't think that I had to lose weight. Mm -hmm. Even when you get to the goal weight, it was maybe there's a little bit more. I could probably get down more, you know, there. And it was, um, it was so much of these cleanses that I started getting on um, was for me um, that started with a lot of like juice cleanses, detox, mm-hmm. like sugar detoxes. That really is what started a lot. I mean, I remember going back even um, in my younger days and doing um, at one point I had done um, 14 days or I think it was of like a the lemonade cleanse. Uh-huh. Yeah. With the maple syrup. Oh, oh yeah. The lemon juice oh, yeah. with a little and, bit of maple syrup. Yep. You have to drink the two gallons do, or whatever. Yes. Of the two liters of the salt yep. water. 
and then you can't leave your house for like hours. So I'd be up at 4 a.m. before work to do that. Um, And I, you know, believe I read the book. I believed everything. This was, I think, I think it was a doctor. Mm -hmm. I thought he was a doctor. I mean, you know, so I believed it. Um, All these, all these cleanses I did, all these juice cleanses, I would spend hundreds of dollars on some of the ones, or I'd spend hundreds of dollars on organic produce to buy the ones for a juice cleanse for a week that, you know, was supposed to clean your body out and everybody needs this. And like, I would do that. And then I would restrict, 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 restrict. I would eat such minimally. And then I would get to a point, whether it was a birthday party for my children or a family member or a wedding or whatever it was. And there'd be something there that was so enticing. And I'd say, I'll just have a little bit. And the next thing I know, I am just out of control. Mm -hmm. And so over time, I truly started to believe that this was my addiction coming back. Mm -hmm. So for me, this became synonymous with the addiction when I struggled with it in my youth with the alcohol and drugs, it's like, here's just, I'm an addict, I'm an addictive personality. Um, sugar is addictive. Mm-hmm. You know, I read articles that were, you know, showing, you know, about how the brain acts, reacts the same way to, you know, a cookie as it does to, um, you know, cocaine or heroin. And then it's like, well, they don't tell you. And I love like, like learning from you that it does the same thing when you get a hug. Yeah. or when you know it, it, it there's just so much I've learned and I could just it's just so overwhelming that in those moments I would have bet my life on it if you had said like I would have staked my life on it that I was living in God's will yeah. that I was doing what he wanted me to do to steward my body for him yeah. to be healthy for him um and I think at some point as my journey with my savior progressed, it sort of shifted what started off as just like this health journey and sort of a little bit of a a penance I felt that I needed to sort of pay back for the abuse I put my body through when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, So getting healthy was like, you, you know, you, you owe this, you owe this Mm -hmm. to God for the body he gave you. You have to get your body healthy. You abused it. There was a shame and a guilt and, and sort of this penance I felt I had to pay But then as I got further along in this journey with with Jesus, I started thinking, okay, well, God, like I started doing all those scriptures, your body's a temple, Mm -hmm. you know, your, ah, I just took everything. I really and truly and honestly believed that my suffering, I'm supposed to suffer with Christ, that my suffering was you're an addict, you Mm want to eat sugar. Shame on you. That's temptation. You need to fight it. You need to battle against these foods. You need to submit your body. You need to beat it with exercise. All those things really felt like that was like my cross to bear. Like I would, I would write in my journal about stuff like that. And Well, let me, I, let me just, yeah, let me back yeah. in for a second, Tara, because, Please, cause you to, know, I'll babble on and on and no, on. No, no, no. But, but <laughs> just to spell it out for someone listening at home, who's maybe never thought about this before. I think you're spot on. I don't think you're alone in the fact that many of us have been taught that our spiritual battle is the battle to keep our body a certain size, right? That temptation is what happens when you open the freezer, (laughs) you know, like, like be strong and courageous against Oreos, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Yes. 
it's an alternate religion. Like that is not it, what yes. the Christian faith is, right? Mm-hmm. We are tempted to sin, not to eat something that tastes good. And, and so, you know, someone listening today has probably never thought about it like that before, but I really appreciate you spelling that out because we need to start calling this out. Like ladies, this is not our biggest battle. Our biggest battle is not whether or not we can wear the jeans we wore when we were 25. Like there's serious stuff going on Mm -hmm. in the spiritual realm and it's time that we stand up and see that, that God has made us overcomers and more than conquerors, not so that we can wear the size we want to wear. It's for yeah. something much greater. Right. So I, I love that you shared all that now. So all of that was kind of like the context of where you're coming from. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you and I have a call. I don't know. It's probably like March or April of last year. Mm. How did that look like? What, what, what started to happen as we started to work together? Oh, wow. So when I finally, when I found, when I found you, it was like, I just knew, I knew I was like, I just, God put it in my heart. Like this was big. Something was happening. Um, I was uh, definitely at a place um, where it wasn't working anymore. There was God had stirred in my heart that I just kept thinking like, Lord, I need, I'm not, I need more strength. I need, I need, I need more of your word. I need, I need, you know, to dig in deeper. I need to do more. And then when you brought the concept of idolatry into this, it literally blew my mind. Oh my gosh. It was so like, oh, it's such a gift. It's such a gift because I, like you had said, I literally thought idolatry was the melted jewelry and the little like the golden cap like you know when Noah comes down mm-hmm. the old like I just I literally was like yep check got that commandment all set mm-hmm. never have to worry about that and um you know I love God and I, and I want and I want to serve him so you know of course I don't idolize any and it was just incredible it was it was um and I think it was also um there was a, there, there is a brokenness Mm. to ourselves that we have to, I had to accept, like, I always thought that the weakness was such a bad thing. You Mm. know, it's so like shameful. No, it was like, you helped me to see how that we all, we all have this sin inside of our hearts. You know, we're, we just come into this world with it. And we have so much brokenness that we carry around and we are so easily uh, led astray. Um, there's, there's a harsh, you know, the, there's a harsh world out there. There's mm-hmm. a lot of deceit. There's a lot of lies. Um, and when I understood that I was putting all of my worth and value into what my body looked like mm-hmm. like it hit me so hard like I didn't even realize that's what I was doing mm-hmm. I didn't really recognize that I really believed that if I didn't have this certain body type that I had no value that I wasn't worthy of love that I wouldn't be good enough yeah. 
for my husband, for my children, for the people around me, for God to, 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 to be a, a servant of his. Um, so when I started reading those books and realizing how deceived I was, I was like, I need help. I need so much help because that was like, at that point I was like, I, I don't know what to do. I literally had spent my whole life believing something and in, in leading up to a certain way and thinking I was walking in God's path for me. And all of a sudden that like shattered. Before you go, if something from today's show blessed you, may I ask a huge favor? Leave a review on your favorite platform. Seeing your five-star reviews is a huge encouragement to me. Not sure how to do it? You can go to comparetohu.me slash podcast, scroll to the bottom, and you'll find all the information. And while you're at comparetohu.me, check out some of the more than 500 articles on there about body image, comparison, all the things you're thinking about. Plus, you can find out more about my books, or you can grab a time for a free 10-minute call to see if coaching is right for you. I'm so honored to be a part of your journey out of body image and comparison frustration. And I can't wait to hear how God is working to set you free. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.